0: Listening to "Dropping the Gloves" with former NHL All-Star John Scott,
1: a member of the Nation Network of podcasts, and delivered by DoorDash. John Scott, the
0: All-Star Man. John Scott, the Family Man. Thank you for listening to "Dropping the Gloves" with John Scott. Woo! Yeah! Ah. Uh. How oh, is everybody doing john scott here dropping the gloves tim is here as well as usual tim my main man did you get a haircut
1: i did yeah last week thanks uh, for noticing you look,
0: you look gorgeous usually when i see someone with a haircut i go nice haircut lose a bet and they get upset and it hurts their feelings but i'm trying to be nicer you know what i mean i'm trying to be, be positive so you look great how's it going
1: it's going well. You look like you're finally back from the back to the real world, huh? Back from vacation. Back from
0: vacation. We just made we just made the decision yesterday. It was Wednesday, and I was like, "I got we got to go back." Like enough is enough. So we packed up everything, and we just came back into town. I got air conditioning in the cottage, in the house, whatever you want to call my shack I live in now. So that's nice. We came back. It was a nice seventy-two degrees. Wasn't sweating my tail off when I sleep like I usually have been for the last four months. So it's nice. It's nice. And we're back at work. It's funny when you, you know, I love my family. I love my wife very much. But when you're around them 24-7, like 10 days in a row, I like sprinted to work this morning. I'm like, I got to go. I'm out of here. I, I, I left like before anybody woke up. I'm like, I just wanted to get out. You just see, you, you start to wear on each other a little bit and so it was nice to get away it's nice to get back to normal so and we're, we're back we're back in the podcast mode lots to talk about lots to discuss there's been some signings there's been some news it's very uh you know it's nice training camp starts in three weeks hockey's kind of rounding into the teams are kind of rounding out their rosters life is good tim what can i say very exciting what are we talking about today or what you have any news you want to share
1: no news, no news. I'm gonna. I mean, I have a long weekend. I have tomorrow off and Monday obviously is uh, the holiday, so that'll be nice, nice four day.
0: Weekend. Let me guess what you're gonna do. You're gonna go on the boat. You're gonna have some drinks. You're gonna ride your bike around, and you're gonna just you live life, YOLO, baby.
1: Yeah, you nailed it. You know me so well, John.
0: Is that still a thing with the kids? Yo- YOLO.
1: No, I bet some of our listeners don't even know what that is anymore.
0: It's You Only Live Once. That was big, what, a couple years ago? When
1: I was in high school, that was big.
0: Was it? Oh, man. <laughs> you know you're getting old when it's like, was that last year, YOLO? It was actually 10 years ago. Yeah. It, it, I'm out of touch. So out of touch, I thought YOLO was last year. But anyways, now I hope you have a nice long weekend. It's Labor Day here in the United States. But uh, moving on, as I like to say, there were some big happenings on the island. And that island be, is New York. Islanders signing everybody they can, all of their RFAs, all of their UFAs, everybody got money. They were throwing money like like it was going out of style. And we knew this was going to happen. They traded Nick Letty earlier this offseason. They got rid of Vander Ladd. Johnny Boychuk's going to be on LTIR. So they have a lot. They had um, $18 million to play with. And they just opened up the piggy bank, which is hard for Lou Amarillo to do. Why don't you run down the signings, Tim, just to kind of give us a. Uh, umbrella view of what we're looking at here.
1: Well, it was interesting all summer because the Islanders hadn't signed any of these guys, but none of the guys signed with other teams. So it was clearly like this: they were talking, they had some things to figure out from the Islanders' salary cap and in the books and all that. Uh, but there was lots of speculation why they hadn't been signed yet, and all of a sudden, like four of them dropped all at once, basically at, at the same exact time. So Kyle Palmieri signed for four years at five million per. Uh, Casey Szczesny signed two. Uh, sorry, six million dollars. Six years at two point five million dollars. Come on,
0: Tim, figure that's it out Sorokin, here. Let's
1: go. I, I put the numbers backwards. Sorokin put four four years at three million dollars and Anthony bevilier at four years point four one five. Four point one five, which is really interesting. I think that I was uh I don't know. That's a steal for the Islanders getting him locked up for four years at four point one five, I think.
0: Oh, that's definitely a bonus. Lou lamorello I tell you what, is a genius when it comes to this. When you watch the off seasons, when you watch the free agency period, when you watch the trade deadline, you really get a sense of who the really, really great GMs are. You know, everybody thinks they know what to do. Everybody's a, an armchair quarterback. Everybody has, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. When you're in the moment, when you're signing players, your emotions get the better of you. Lou is just ice cold He's very business like, and he never seems to make a mistake. He always moves on from, from players at the right time. He never overextends contracts, and he just seems to make the right, the perfect move. And when you look at this contract, four years for four point one five million dollars for Anthony B- Bolivier, this guy is twenty four. Bolivier? Yes, there we go. Got it the second time. We'll edit the first one out. But this guy's twenty four <laughs> years old. He plays on their. Top line, he absolutely knocked it out of the park last year. He can keep up with Barzell. Uh, to get him for four million bucks is an absolute steal. Especially when you look four at the years. offer sheet for four years. Like he's only getting better. You look at the offer sheet for Kaki and Emmy, it, It's obviously high. That's the price you pay for getting a, a second line center. We'll get into. We'll touch on him later on in the show. But Anthony Bull Beau, He's just improving, and yes, his point totals aren't, you know, where you think they would be for a player when you watch him. He's just so electric, so dynamic, but he's only really getting – in one full season in 18-19, he had 28 points. Then the next season, obviously, it was shortened by COVID. He got 39 and 68, and last year, he was a point every other game guy. He got 28 and 47, so he's not – You know, that guy, he really turned it on in the playoffs where he was almost a point per game in the playoffs. He got 13 and 19, and that's where I think he really flourished. That's where he got some ice time. Um, Brock Nelson, Anders Lee kind of took a step back, and he really carried this team in the playoffs. Barzell was just covered. Every guy was covering Barzell, and this guy really took, took the next step in his game. And I think the Islanders saw that. I think everybody else in the league saw that. And this is where you saw maybe teams didn't have much money to spend. You know, there there wasn't many suitors for him, and he was an RFA. Obviously, he maybe looked for an offer sheet, couldn't find one. Islanders said, Listen, this this is our offer. Four years. Maybe he wanted to go a little bit less because he's 24. We touched on it last episode. He's gonna be restrict unrestricted free agent when he turns 25. Islanders aren't gonna give him a two-year deal, so they maybe compromise. We'll give you four for less money Then you get to be a UFA when you're twenty-eight, still cash in, but All in all, this is a great deal for the New York Islanders. The Casey Sezikis deal, it's a great deal for him. The Palmieri deal, I think that's a great deal. There's not one contract where I'm just like shaking my head saying, oh, this is going to handcuff them moving forward. Every contract is the right length. It's the right term. It's the right number value. Everything works out for this team. When I look at the the cap hit for these guys, nothing stands out that's really bad for me. The only contract that's bad – is Johnny Boychuk and he's on LTIR. So that's not, that's not even a a concern for them. I really, I really think Lou Lamorello has positioned the New York Islanders. I don't want to say it, but I do want to say it. They're the favorites going into the season, Tim. I, I really do think so. When you look at what the New York Islanders have done this off season, compared to what the Tampa Bay lightning have done, Islanders have done way, way better than Tampa Bay. And obviously Tampa was kind of handicapped by their salary cap restrictions so were the Islanders. They went out and they made some moves. They got rid of Ladd. They got rid of Letty, who were two big contracts, freed up some money, and they got to sign all the players they wanted to sign, and they bring in. And we haven't even talked about Zach Parisi, who's agreed to a contract with the Islanders. We don't know the terms yet, but apparently it's been agreed to for months now. They've really done a great job. You look at the Lightning. They've lost Gaudreau, Coleman, Savard, Gord, Tyler Johnson, and they brought in Corey Perry and Zach Bogosian, two long-in-the-tooth forwards who have – you know, played their best hockey a decade ago. Corey Perry still has flashes of greatness. He's a good third-line guy. Bogosian, he, you know, he brings a presence. He's a 5'6 defenseman. He's not really going to move the needle when it comes to really making a huge impact. Do they have the depth? Do they have the the young players who can come up and fill those positions? I don't know. Are the New York Islanders, Tim, the favorites going into this season?
1: Uh, I mean, they're up there. They're the top in the top three, for sure. I think the Lightning, just the firepower they have, the star power, they're, they're always going to be among the favorites. But the uh, yeah, Islanders are going to be up there, for
0: sure. You know what I mean, Tim? We try to do a podcast and be professionals, and you got your dog barking in the background looking at squirrels. Is this what we're doing here? Is this, is this, is this dropping the gloves? And now you're talking to them? Dogs don't know how to talk. I'm telling them to stop barking. He's well, you're mouthing it to him. Do you think he reads no, it? No, no, I muted myself. I muted myself. <laughs> and I oh, yell You muted away. yourself and you're swearing at your dog? Unbelievable. Anyways, I'm sorry to our listeners. We'll try to figure this out. Tim is just, you know, it started off with the contracts. You didn't get the numbers right. Now it's just rolling right over into a dog barking. It's one of those days over in it's, Tim's house.
1: It's just life happening in the background. The same thing as your kids coming in too
0: yeah but I can hit my kids and yell at them, they'll get the, they'll get the idea. dogs they don't know dogs <laughs> just like always oh, hit me. Maybe this is a good thing. I don't know. I kind of like getting hit. I'm a weird dog. I don't know, but anyways, I think the islanders are the favorites moving into the into this season they you know what it is We were talking before we came on the air. When did the New York Islanders all of a sudden become a destination for players? because when I was playing you you avoided the islanders like the plague. You didn't want to go there. The rink stunk. The the ownership was was a train wreck. They were giving out bad contracts just to have players go there. We saw with Alexi Ashen, Rick DiPietro, uh, and a slew of other guys. They just had to throw money and term at guys to go there. When did that happen, Tim? Why are all of a sudden these players clamoring? I don't want to say clamoring, but why are guys now putting the Islanders on their list of teams like, you know what? I'm going to check out the New York Islanders. Why?
1: Because of Lamoureux and Barry Trotz, it changed everything. Because like you said, this is, this is not a team the players wanted to go to necessarily. It was not a destination. It was not like a, a place where players chose to want to stay or not in, in big numbers anyway. They bring those two guys in and all of a sudden it totally validates and adds like authority to what they're trying to do, what they're capable of, and the direction that the franchise is headed.
0: It really does speak to the franchises that have just a solid foundation. And you know what you're going to get from your president. You know what you're going to get from your GM. And it's a trickle-down effect. And you look at the teams with success. They've had a GM in place for a long amount of time. They've had the same ownership. They, they have a, a model and a structure that works, and they stick with that. They don't deviate from the plan. You look at franchises that you know struggle. You look at franchises nowadays that, that haven't figured it out. They're constantly switching coaches, they're constantly switching GMs, they're constantly switching presidents, and they're searching for some kind of just someone to come in and just grab hold of the franchise and just take the reins. And it's just, there's always influx and change. I'm, I'm talking about the Ottawa's, the Buffalo's, even the Philadelphia's of the world where you just need someone to solidify that. And I think Lou Morello does that. He has that calming factor. He comes in, he's like, you know what, this is my team. I know you're the owner. I know you're the president. This is my team. I'm going to put my imprint on this team, and he's done it the moment he walked into the doors. And the Islanders have not been the same since. It's been a perennial powerhouse. they have made it to the Eastern Conference Final two two years in a row. Now they're – I would say the Stanley Cup favorites. I I don't check the Vegas book whatever odds every day or ever, to be honest with you. I'm not a big gambler. Unless I'm in Vegas on the blackjack table, then just leave me alone. Just give me a labat Blue Light every seven to ten minutes, and I'm fine for five to – 25 hours, but they gotta be one of the favorites, just what they've done. They they don't overinvest in players. Players want to go there. They got the new rink, they've got that kind of nailed down. It's just exciting what they're doing on the island. All the teams in New York seem to be trending upwards. The Rangers are looking pretty good. The Islanders are looking real good. The Devils have sort of figured themselves out. They've been doing some good work in the offseason, so it's exciting. That's a big How about market. about Buffalo? Oh no. But it's funny how I don't even consider them to be, I mean, I mean, New York East coast, not Western New York. Buffalo is a whole other oddity where it's just, you know, I don't want to talk about, we'll, we'll touch on Ike a little bit because there was, as the world turns, there was a new, you know, episode that came out for the drama in Buffalo, but let's touch on that a little bit later. There were some more signings. Why don't you break down a couple of the, I don't want to call them minor because they were big, big money signings, but a couple of defensemen signed. What do we got, Tim?
1: Yep, Colton Pareco returned to the Saint Louis Blues eight years at six point five million, which I think is really interesting because he could have taken more, and I think he's now one of the more underrated defensemen in the league. Like he's a legit, maybe not a number one, but he's a legit top pairing defenseman. And these other guys signed for a lot more, so um, I think that's a great you know contract for the Blues. And the other one is Connor Murphy, who's kind of that that shutdown defenseman for Chicago, signed for four years at four point four expectations are he's going to be the guy who plays places Seth Jones on that top pairing. And if that's the case and he does his job well, it's probably a pretty good deal for the Blackhawks as well.
0: Now, why do you think Colton Pranko could have gotten more? I'm interested to hear if, if there was some news there.
1: Uh, just looking at like all the defensemen that have signed for that nine million dollars, and he's not at the level of a Dougie or, or a Seth Jones, but I don't think he's that far behind He doesn't put up necessarily the points that those guys do, but he logs the heavy minutes. He's probably a better shutdown defenseman than any of those guys, like Morenski. Like he's better defensively than those guys, um, and he doesn't like he's he's had some good years. I think he had a year where he put up forty points a couple years ago. So. Um, I just think 6.5 on the open market. If he wanted the money, he could have gotten more than that. But then again, eight years is a pretty good term. That's where he intends to finish his career in St. Louis. So, um, yeah, I think a good deal for both sides.
0: I agree. I like that deal. He's a big boy. 6'6", 240. He's a big, big unit. He's got a heavy shot. He makes an okay first pass. You know, he, he's not going to light the lamp when it comes to points. He If he gets 30 points in a season, that's a good season for him. You're not paying for his offense. You're paying for his presence. You're paying for his physicality. He's never going to confuse you with being a Victor Hedman. But he's a good defenseman. He moves well for a big dude. And, uh, you know, it, it's, it's nice to see the big guys, you know, being able to keep up and getting some recognition. There still is, you know, some value of having a big body back there to punish forwards when they come across that blue line. Have you seen that, um,
1: that little clip? It's like a mic'd up moment for him. Um, it was an overtime, probably two off seasons ago, two um, postseason to go. Overtime against I don't know who. He's behind the net with the puck, and um, he he's just like looking to make that pass. He starts to skate out, goes back to the net, and the refs in the corner is like, "Hey, move the puck, let's get going." And Pareko's like, "I can do what I want. I can do whatever I want." And then it's just like a great little clip. It's
0: it's uh, it was all over Twitter when he resigned. Not a big Twitter guy very often, so I did not see that Tim, I apologize, but refs need to shut their mouths you know let, let us play the game you worry about you know making sure the puck goes over the glass and so nobody touched it um talking about the other signing you mentioned Connor murphy playing with seth jones i don't want to correct you again and you know call out an error but he won't be playing with seth jones he will most likely slot in with jake mccabe and calvin dahan will slide in with seth jones they're both right right defensemen usually tim is on his game and for whatever reason i don't know if he's excited about the long weekend he's already on vacation it's okay you know, not everybody has a great day all the time. Everybody lays an egg every once in a while. Hopefully, we can move past this and have a strong rest of the show, Tim. But do, who knows? Do you want to do you want to go down that road? Because I can, I can do the same thing too. Uh, well, I'm just stating the obvious. Murph's we- going to slot in with McCabe, and then Dehan's going to be with Seth Jones, and they'll figure out their five six uh, with the re- remaining guys. But that's right. just.
1: The articles I read when Seth Jones made that when the the deal happened was that he was going to start with Connor Murphy's. So maybe that changed you, over the you past know, month.
0: You know, I guess I never rely on the internet because a lot of the times it's just wrong. It's just wrong. I played with Connor Murphy. I played with Jake McCabe. They're both ex- outstanding players. They would complement each other very, very well. And Calvin Dehan is a is a very good puck moving defenseman. He's he's experienced. He's been around the around the league. I think he would slot in nice with Seth Jones, but back to Connor Murphy or as Murph as I call him. Cause I played with him, Tim. We're friends. We're bros. We've been around Scottsdale together. It's a good signing. You know, um, Connor Murphy, not a lot of people know him. He was a part of the trade for Nick Jalmerson when they sent Jalmerson to Arizona. Everybody thought Chicago got fleeced. They didn't like the deal. What's happening? Jalmerson is a huge part of this team. And he was, rightfully so. But I think Stan Bowman saw Connor Murphy. He was a young kid. He still had a lot of growing to do in his game. He was very uncoordinated, not very confident in himself. He's really turned the corner. He averaged 22-plus minutes last year. He, he skated alongside Duncan Keith. He really played well. You know, he he's not going to light the lamp. He's not going to be leading the rush. He's not going to be on the power play by any means. But what he does, he is an elite defenseman in the defensive zone. He locks down the other team's, you know, top pairing. He's has above average defensive numbers in his zone. Like, I, I think he's top fifth, top sixth in the league when it comes to, you know, shutting guys down and just being a positive influence in the D zone. His offensive numbers aren't terrible. They're not great. I think he had you know, south of 20 points last year, maybe two three goals, 15, 16 assists. But, you know, for $4 million bucks for four years, he didn't overextend him. I think that's the going rate. I, I like this contract for Chicago. I like it for Connor Murphy. It works out well for both guys. And, and it's exciting. What, what this sets the stage for, if Seth Jones can play to his contract, which I don't think he will, but if he can, Jake McCabe's coming in. You got Connor Murphy, you got Calvin DeHaan. If these three or four defensemen can have a really good season, Chicago's got a good forward group. They got a great goalie in Mark Andre Fleury. This is this could be a really good team in Chicago, but it all hinges on the back end. They're five six. It's a toss up. I don't know who's going to be back there. They got Caleb Jones. They got a couple other young guys. Wyatt, Kalnyuk and Riley Stillman. I don't know anything about them at all. If those four guys can anchor this D core, they're going to be a good team. They really are. And that's going to be the key to this uh, this team moving forward, is if this D core can hold the four, because all four of them, they're going to log 22-plus minutes a night. They're going to lean on these guys heavy. And if they can come out and if they can play well, Chicago could, you know, I guess surprise some people because the West it's kind of up for grabs. It really is. What do you, what do you, are you trying to catch me on something, Tim? You look like you're just chomping at the bit to try to, Oh, I got gotcha. you. What, what no. What do you, what do you got to say?
1: No. no, nothing. I'm moving forward. I agree with your take. I think uh we'll see how the defense shakes out, but I think that's definitely is the, the You know the key to success for the Blackhawks, and i don't know that I'm too excited about that defense if i'm if i 'm a hawks fan if if I need to rely on Jake McCabe and Connor Murphy and Calvin DeHaan having good seasons in order for the team to do well i'm just not, i'm not putting all my eggs in that basket so i I'd be, I'd be a little oh. wary if I 'm them.
0: Let me just put an asterisk next to that. Jake McCabe's buried in Buffalo for years, and he's a very, very good player. You go look up some of Jake McCabe's highlights. He is a heavy hitter. He plays the game solid, and he like he's not sexy, he's not flashy, but he's just a solid meat and potatoes type of defenseman. Connor Murphy's like he's like a Bambi out there, where he's all legs, and he just kind of looks like he's out of control, but he gets the job done. And Dehan's just a solid player, so I agree with you. The names aren't you know recognizable; they're not you know household names, but they're good defensemen. But yeah, when you when you line them up against other great teams, it's obviously not as strong as other teams, but I, I don't mind their defense. So, you know, that being said, those contracts got done. Those teams are happy. What are some players that maybe aren't getting contracts? Maybe this is the last year of their contract. There's a big one out west that I know of that maybe people don't think he's a household name or know him too well. But when you look at his numbers and you look at his track record and you look at how old he is, he could be arguably, if he hits unrestricted free agency next year, the number one guy on everyone's wish list because he is an absolute stud who I played with and he's, he is as close to Yarmou Yager as you're going to get. He's so good. Break down this player who I'm talking about, Tim.
1: Yeah. So Tomas Hurdle, he's been kind of the buzz on social media the last couple of days because he's, there's a report from Kevin Kurz that kind of said that he is looking for exploring his options, not committed to returning to San Jose. Now, Hurdle's 27. He's going to be 28 next offseason. And during his final year of his deal, he's going to be an unrestricted free agent. Um, Kevin Kurtz also reported that he's one of the guys who has been um, upset with the way the team's handled the Vander Kane situation. So maybe that is part of it as well. Um, but, yeah, he's a good, good player. Like, I, I don't – I mean, the Yager comparisons, I don't know about that. But um, he's – if he's – unrestricted free agent next year he's probably going to be like the number one guy in the market he's a guy i don't know if he's a number one center unlike a a super contender team um but he's a really good two-way player too he puts up about you know 70 75 points in a healthy season um so this would be really a situation to watch
0: this guy he is he i think he's a one center he he is of such a good player over the like if if he's on He's guaranteed thirty goals, seventy plus points. And what what more do you want from a first line center? He distributes the puck. He can carry the luggage. He he can handle the puck down low. He he's got speed. He's twenty seven years old. He's six foot two. He's a meat. His thighs and ass are massive. So uh, maybe I'm biased because I know him. I know his wife. I know how he is. He's also just a. a a great human being and for him to come out and say, you know what, maybe I don't want to be in San Jose because of how they handled the, the Evander Kane thing that says volumes to me. And I am glad that he says that because a player is kind of sticking his neck out and saying, you know what, you screwed up this situation, Doug Wilson, you should have gassed Evander Kane when he, when he got in trouble with the, with the, the casino for gambling during the playoffs a few years ago. That itself was just a bad scenario. And then you add on the whole stuff with his wife and uh, alimony and child support and then going into bankruptcy. And then the, the shenanigans trying to get into a fight with that uh, YouTube guy. It's just a laundry list of stuff with the Kane and Thomas hurdle. That's not him. He wants to work hard. He wants to go out and play hockey and he wants to win games. That's all he wants to do. He doesn't need all the distractions. And there's a lot of guys on this team who feel that way, but they don't have the the balls to come out and say something. We saw, uh, Mark Andre Vlasic say something recently in, in, in some paper, he did an interview. He said, you know what? It's, we don't want a distraction. That's the biggest thing. We, we have enough stuff going on. We have enough negative stuff in San Jose. We don't need this guy coming in and being a huge distraction. So I don't think hurdle comes back. Even if San Jose did want to resign him the money's not there. They are locked into so many bad contracts for such long-term there's no money for them. They only have six, seven million, eight million bucks in cap space, and they only have 14 guys signed. You got Couture, Kane, LeBlanc, Carlson, Burns, Vlasic. All those guys are making massive amounts of money for long-term. You think they're going to have enough money to throw at Thomas Hurdle? He's going to be asking for $8, 9000000 million. There's no way they can add him and then fill out their lineup with players who can make a difference. Doug Wilson made his bed. He went for the cup four or five years ago. He signed all these guys, and it just didn't work out. They didn't win the cup, and now this is what happens. You're saddled with all these long contracts. If I'm San Jose, I'm voiding Evander Kane's contract. He makes $7 bucks a year. Great. I'm trying to get rid of Carlson or Burns or Vlasic. I don't know if I'll be able to do it. I'm packaging them with the first round, and I'm shipping them out. I'm trying to get rid of this contract, and then I'm trying to sign Thomas Hurdle. They're going to see where they're at this season. If they're competitive, maybe they'll keep them, hold on to them. But in all honesty, if I'm Thomas Hurdle, do I even want to come back to San Jose? What does the future look like for the San Jose Sharks? Yes, they have him. Yes, they have Mario Ferraro. Yes, Logan Couture is there. He's 32. Vander Kane is there. He's 30 years old. Eric Carlson is there. He's 31. Burns is 36. Vlasic is 34. They don't have any impact players who are young. Mm, maybe, maybe Timo Meyer is he an impact player? He's 24. It, the future does not look good if I'm looking for a long term contract, which Thomas Hurdle will be. He's going to be looking for a five, six, seven year contract. Do you go back there or do you leave in free agency? And if you're going to leave in free agency, what is the asking price for a Thomas Hurdle in his prime? When he's going to be asking for eight, eight nine million bucks. A couple first rounders. Like there's a lot happening right now in San Jose. Doug Wilson is a good GM. It'll be interesting to see where this heads because this guy, man, I'm telling you, he's, an, he's a great, great player. I don't know how it's going to end up, but I don't see him playing in a San Jose jersey by the end of this season. I think he gets dealt midseason.
1: I think it's going to be a big year for San Jose because, like, you saw – like, with the Evander Kane situation, we'll see how that plays out because he was productive last year, but is it worth, like, the distraction that he brings? You saw Mark, um, Mark Edward, not Mark Andre, Vlasic's comments about he's – basically, if the San Jose Sharks miss the playoffs for the third year in a row, there's going to be, like, riots and, and flipping trucks and all that in San Jose. So they they are, you know, gunned on making the playoffs and going on a run. Um, Mario Ferraro, you know, he's, he's a young kid, but he's he's – expectations are high for that group. And then hurdle, like, you know, you're arguably a best player entering a contract year. Like, whatever happened this year is going to indicate whether he wants to come back or not. And then you obviously have a new situation in goalie where he finally got out of uh, Martin Jones' contract. So there's a lot of things happening for the San Jose Sharks, and I feel like this could be a bounce-back year or it could just be more of the same. And either way, um, it's going to indicate whatever direction the hurdle goes.
0: They did get out for Martin Jones, but they're still paying him $2 million per year. Like it's two million this year, two and a half the next year, three million the year after that. So he's still counting money on their cap. It's not like he's he's just all of a sudden gone away. But yeah, gosh, I don't know. I don't think the upgrade in the goaltender, they got Aiden Hill, they got James Reimer. That's not instilling much confidence in myself if I'm going out there. Like, no offense to those guys. I don't think they're gonna win me many games. If anything, they're gonna lose me some games. So I want them to succeed. I love San Jose. I loved my time there. I enjoy, I like the GM. I like the guys there, like Cooch. I, I still have friends there. I just don't like it. They signed Nick Bonino. He, he's 33. He's Nick Bonino. He's been around. He's, he, he's battled hard in the playoffs. He's had some great moments. I don't think he's the same player. They got Andrew Cogliano. They, got, they just have some guys. Who, I don't know. I don't like it. If I'm Thomas Hurdle, I want to leave. If I'm Doug Wilson, I'm trading everybody. Like, I, I'm trading everybody. I'm trying to get Couture out the door. I'm trying to get Evander Kane out the door. I'm trying to get Carlson, Burns, and Vlasic. And I'm trying to keep Thomas Hurdle. And I'm building around him. I'm building around Mario Ferraro. I'm building around the few pieces that I have. Because, gosh, I don't know how you – I don't know. It's, it's not looking too hot for San Jose. So let's talk about a team – I know we have a couple things on the agenda. I want to transition into Kaki and Emmy because Thomas hurdle plays a part in this Kaki and Emmy offer sheet fiasco that we have with Carolina, Montreal. So Montreal has until Saturday. We're we're doing this taping Thursday. They have three days to figure out what they're going to do with Kaki and Are they going to match? Are they not what the situation is Bergevin right now? He is calling every team in the NHL. He's going through the rosters. He's saying, okay, Kaki and Emmy was tabbed to be Montreal's second line center. As much as they benched him last year, gave him a hard time, he was in the papers, they, they were dogging his game. He is slotted in as Montreal's second line center. They got Suzuki won, they lost to no. Kaki gets bumped up. He's their second line centerman. So Carolina's coming in, they're saying, okay, boom, we're taking their second line centerman. What does Bergerman do? He's mulling it over. If he's a smart GM, which I'm not sure he is, but we'll see. He is calling every team out there and saying, what do you got? What do you have? What is Thomas Hurdle doing for you? And there's a few names that have popped up. One is from Arizona, Christian Dvorak. Anytime a player, every time a team needs a player, they go to Arizona first because Arizona is everybody's feeder team, their farm system. If they need a good player and Arizona maybe has one that's young and productive, they call Arizona because they know Arizona doesn't want to win. They just want to take on bad contracts of players, and then that's all they want to do. They want to make, make whatever amount of money they can. They're not in it to win Stanley Cups. They're in it to make money. Anyways, so they're calling up Arizona, Christian Dvorak. He's signed to a great contract, four years, four-some million dollars. He's got a good term. He's a good player. You know, he can move up and down the ice. Is he as good at cocky I mean, You know, they're very similar type players. So they call up Dvorak. They're calling up Washington kuznetsov he's obviously had some issues there his name's been on the market for the last few years he's had some disciplinary issues there's been some things come out some pitchers they want to break up the russian mafia they got there maybe ovechkin focuses a little more maybe kuznetsov gets away from the nose candy i don't know so they're they're calling up him he's got a big contract 7.8 million dollars this is where thomas hurdle comes in if i'm montreal my first call goes to san jose he knows their situation. They can't afford Thomas Hurtle next year unless they move some contracts. They're not in a position to win. This is an, a no-brainer deal for me. You give them the first you get from Carolina, you give them the third you get from Carolina, and you give them another first. And you get Thomas Hurtle. You get Thomas Hurtle to agree to a long-term contract before he comes over. Maybe this is a sign-and-trade type deal. And then you have Thomas Hurtle centering your second line in Montreal, and all of a sudden you have a pretty good, formidable two lines – Thomas or Thomas Tatar is a major upgrade over Philip Dunham, like just hands down. He has more offensive talent. He's okay in the D zone, and he's just a better player overall. And if you can kind get Thomas Ertel to come over, sign him, you get some salary relief from Shea Weber and him being on LTIR. You can make this happen. If I'm Van, I am doing everything I can to make this trade. It just makes too much sense. I don't know. Is there any other player you could think slides in for that cocky and Emmy role?
1: The only one whose name keeps being thrown around is Eichel, but that's like a whole other can of worms we don't need to get back into. But, yeah, that's, that's another name that they're kind of exploring as well, I would imagine.
0: The thing with Eichel is – I've heard this too. I've talked to some people in Buffalo. I've talked to some people. No, I haven't talked to anybody in Montreal. With the Eichel trade, Buffalo always wanted Kaki and Emmy. So if they match and they keep cocky and Emmy, they can't trade him. That's one of the stipulations when you when you throw an offer sheet at someone and you match it, you can't trade that player for one year. And that's the issue with this contract. If they do match him for one year and he has a, a sub par year and Montreal is not competitive, they can't trade him. So the the situation just starts itself all over again. So Montreal sided with the six million dollar contract for the whole season, and you're not going to get anything value for him at the trade deadline because you're locked in. You can't trade him. So that kind of muddles the whole Eichel situation. If it ever were to come to fruition, there's no way Buffalo's going to trade him to a team in their division, let alone one in their con- like in their division. It, it just would never ever happen. So that's that's a mute point. I don't know. I do think. Hurdle makes perfect sense. Christian Dvorak makes really good sense. Uh, I don't know if that'll happen, but if I'm Bergerman, man, I'm telling you, I'm pounding the pavement. I'm making those phone calls. And if he can't get a deal done with one of those teams, I do think he'll match and they're going to keep cocking him. Because you you can't rely, if you're a competitive team like Montreal is, you can't just hope that some guy's going to step in and be your second line center. That's not how it works. You have to have your first two lines locked in before training camp. Like it's not a position. Someone's going to win the second line center position. No, you need to have your first two lines locked in and maybe someone surprises you in camp and they steps in, but like you have to have those two lines locked in already. Tell the Bruins that. Well, that's the thing. If, If they think they're going to have a competition for a second line centerman, you're going to have a bad year. That's, that's a very important position. You need to have a good second line centerman. That there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. How do you win Stanley Cups? Down the middle on the back end. You need solid centermen. Look at every good team in the NHL. They already have their first two lines locked in. Locked in. In permanent marker. But um, we'll see. It'll be very interesting to see what happens in the next few days. Monday's episode, I, we'll dig into this because it's going to be, if they don't match that contract and Carolina gets him, there will be a trade coming from Montreal, I would say, within the next week. There has to be. If you're Mark Bergevin and you don't do that, you should be fired. You have to have a secondary plan in place if you lose Kotkin. You have to. Like, this is your job. You have to have a good second-line sentiment, especially in Montreal. What they did last year, the strides they took, Carey Price is only going to get worse. Like, you you have to maximize this situation. You know, that's just my thoughts. If you had to bet your paycheck, do you think they match or not? I don't think they match. If I'm Bergevin, I'm, I'm trading a couple first-rounders, and I'm going to get Thomas Hurdle. He's, he's such an upgrade over Kakyanemi. That would transition their whole entire team. It, it would change the dynamic of the whole team. Gone are the days when, like, they were, they were okay offensively, but if you throw him on that team and you get rid of Kakyanemi, they're a very, very dangerous team. So that's, that's what I'm doing. I, I'm pounding the pavement. I'm having him pair up with Gallagher or Toffoli or whoever it is. They're a good team with Hurdle in that lineup.
1: Yeah, especially like I mean, you know, Coffey and Amy is a much younger player, but they already have the young studs on offense with Suzuki and Caulfield, so they can afford to
0: to lose Coffey and Amy if they're getting a better player overall. Totally agree. They got Mike Hoffman. They they will have a good offense, but if you add Hurl into that mix, they'll have a very very good offense. I forgot. Like, I'm, that I'm talking. Hoffman. Yeah, Gallagher Duran should be back. They got Josh Anderson. Who else? Joel Armia. He's a very underrated player. They have a a very very good group of forwards, and if you add Hurl to that, my goodness. I would take their offensive you know, four lines over Toronto if they had Thomas Hurdle to that mix. It's a really good team. It really, really is. So we'll see what happens. That'll be an interesting situation to kind of monitor. I know everybody else is. And another interesting thing, and I heard someone, I think Elliot Friedman mentioned this. He's like, well, if Kaki and Emmy, if they do sign Kaki and Emmy, Montreal, and they, they, they match, it wouldn't surprise me if Carolina went after Suzuki next year. How great would that be? Because Suzuki is a 1A centerman. He's a dynamic player. That would be player. awesome. Would be so Carolina just came back and, okay, you know what? Boom. Because do you think teams will use the offer sheet more? I think it's going to become a thing. The teams that value analytics, the teams that value kind of the numbers side of the game rather than just the eye test, they use this as a weapon. They see a team is vulnerable and they're going to pounce. I feel like the way the game's going, the more analytics, the more people dive into that, this will be used more as a weapon. Teams will kind of scour the NHL, find a team who's vulnerable with their contract, and then they'll just pounce. And we're seeing it now. We'll see it more going forward in the future. All right. So there was a gold medal awarded, Tim. Maybe you didn't notice. I don't know how big of a women's championship hockey fan you are. I love it. I got to get to know some of the, the Canadian women's players when I did these charity events. I got to know um, Marie-Philippe Poulin pretty good. She just scored the overtime winner, Canada-USA. It was, it was a great game. And it got me thinking: Is the Canadian-American rivalry in women's hockey the greatest rivalry in sports? Let me let me just set my argument. So, women's hockey has been on on the stage since the '90s. Um, no other teams are good. It's Canada, USA. Finland has a decent team. Sweden has a decent team. So you know if you're one of those two teams, Canada-USA, going into a major tournament, it's going to be Canada-USA in the finals. Every Olympics, every World Championships, everyone has seen those two teams make it to the finals except for one World Championships and one Olympics. Finland won silver, Sweden won silver. So they've literally played each other in every meaningful game in the championship game since women's hockey became a thing. And I don't want to say became a thing, but since it had the world championships, since it became an Olympic sport, these are the two teams that compete for every major championship. They, I want to say 75% of their games go to overtime. So they're very balanced. Ever since they've been you know, competing internationally, they hate each other. They absolutely despise each other. They, every game is like a, a battle, and they play each other all the time. They played – 10 of the last 13 games have gone to overtime. Canada dominated early. The USA has dominated late. So the the Canadian win a couple days ago was a big win for them. The USA has won the last nine world championships, I want to say, or eight because we lost one due to COVID. So it was a big win for Canada. Is this the biggest sports rivalry? And tell me why it's not.
1: Well, it's hard to argue with the argument that you just made and disagree with that. Um, the only thing I guess you can kind of put against them is that they're just not getting the same attention, and that's through no fault of their own. But, like, people aren't talking about these games and this rivalry the same way they're talking about some others. Um, but they should be. I mean, the, the action on the ice is incredible. That goal that uh, – how do you say your last name? Poulin. Marie-Philippe Poulin. Ah, uh, that goal. What a snipe. It reminded me of the, of the Patrick Kane goal from 2010. Like, she was the only one who, who knew it went in for sure. No one else was, like, totally sure. Um, I mean the action on the ice is incredible, so hopefully it does to grow. And I think like that, yeah, the it just it's a lock. You just know it's going to be USA Canada every time. There's like a tournament like this, you just know it's going to be between the two of them. And USA's had the better of it the last few years, so it's kind of cool to see Canada come back.
0: Yeah, it's exciting hockey, and and I hope they get a little more recognition. I, I'm I am actually we should get Marie Philippe in on the show. I'm friends with her. We kind of pal around with the same group of people, so maybe we'll get her on next week to talk about winning the big game. She scored some. Huge goals. Olympics 2012, she scores the game-tying goal, the overtime-winning goal. 2016, she scores the overtime-winning goal to win gold both times. She scores the overtime-winning goal here in the World Championship. So she's clutch. She knows it. And she, she goes out and she just performs. She's the opposite of uh, who's the guy? Marner. She, she, she <laughs> produces when the stage is the biggest. So yeah, I'm going to, I'll shoot her a text. We'll get her on the show next week. It'll be good, but well, potentially, but yeah, very good for Canada. Check out women's hockey. It's gotten so good. Like it's so entertaining. They fly up and down the ice. It's so, they're so skilled. It really is a good, good sport. So check it out. Um, let's just touch on the Eichel thing. Eichel update. He changed agents and, is this a big deal that he changes his agency? It's very surprising to do it this late in the game. What that strikes me as, he wasn't happy with his agency, you know, the comments that he said, what the, the optics of it all. It made Jack Eichel look bad you know, in, in public, and maybe he's using them as a scapegoat. Well, I'm fired my agent. I'm a different guy. I'm good. Does this change anything, Tim? Is he going to start the season? The season starts in training camps in three weeks. He still needs surgery. What, does this change anything for Jack Eichel?
1: I mean, I don't know that much about the, like how the agents like affects their their contract negotiations and stuff. I think it just sort of reflects maybe he's getting frustrated. He wants to get this figured out. Um, maybe, you know, he's annoyed that it hasn't been figured out yet. So he fired his agent, got a new one. Hopefully they're able to, this, to smooth things out. I know Brisson represents some of the biggest players in the league, some of the most talented and the biggest contracts. So um, it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. I don't know if it changes anything necessarily. It more just reflects where Jack's at and his level of frustration to me.
0: One of the interesting things about Pat Brisson is he's really good friends with Mark Bergevin. So if there ever was a time for there to be a Montreal and Buffalo trade, now is the time because those guys are like really good friends. So I'm not saying that changes anything, but if you're an agent and you have relationships with GMs, you're going to call your buddies first and see, you know, knock on their doors and see what they're up to. If you have a player or a guy who's unhappy. So we'll see if there ever was a way for this trade to happen. Jack Eichel changing his agent to pratt Brisson makes that, that path a little bit easier. Not saying it's going to mean anything, but we'll see. I'm going to keep an eye on that. What, what do we have on the docket, Tim, for pound for pound this week? Who do we, who this, do we got coming on?
1: This is the finale of what we're calling season one. Um, so we've had Biz, we had um, Steve McIntyre, and then we've had um, LaRock. And so for Friday, we're going to have – tomorrow or tomorrow, yeah, we have Ryan Reeves coming on. Um, who's you know probably the toughest guy in the league right now? Would you agree? If not, I would say he's top. He's
0: top two. Yeah. Yeah. Him? What? Him and McDermott? I think McDermott is up there just for sheer size. Yep.
1: Yeah. Um, and Reeves has been on the show a couple of times now. He tells some great stories and, you know, it, it's interesting to talk about hear him talking about Tom Wilson, especially, because now they're going to be playing in the same division. So this is a lot of fun. Um, if you haven't watched him yet, go check them out. Like the reviews are absolutely incredible. And it's really cool because it's a video interview. You get to watch John and these guests interact, but the hockey fights edited the clips and stuff and made a, a really good job, like overlaying the actual clips of the fights that they're talking about. So you can kind of see the references and stuff. Um, So, yeah, Ryan Reeves comes out tomorrow. Definitely check it out.
0: Yeah, go to the Hockey Fights YouTube channel. It's good stuff. I I don't want to oversell it. It's good. I I enjoy it. I don't usually watch much of my stuff or listen to much of my stuff, but I watch this. They did a good job uh, editing this together. It's interesting that McDermott and Reeves are the top heavyweights in the league, but if you would have thrown them back in the 80s, they would be top 40, you know? That's how much the league has changed. Like, that, I was – I get – you know, bored sometimes and I go in a rabbit hole and I watch fights and I love watching Dave Brown fights for whatever reason, that guy, I want to get him on the show. I don't know where he is. I don't even know if he's still alive, but if you know, Dave Brown, give me his info. Cause I would love to talk to this guy. So I just get watching fights and there were some tough SOBs back in the day and McDermott and Reeves would be top 30 back in the day. It's just, it goes to show how the games has changed. But anyways, check that out. Check out uh, our podcast. Tell your friends. And you know what? Go to DoorDash. When I was on vacation, I didn't want to cook. My wife sure as heck didn't want to cook. So we used DoorDash every day. We'd go in, find a restaurant in the area, and they delivered right to our door. It was fantastic. My kids loved it. We got a kick out of it. So do me a favor. Do them a favor. We had a promo. Is the promo code working at Tim? Uh, No, it's not. No, it's not. So I apologize to anybody who used our promo code. There was hundreds of people we tried to use our promo code. We'll get that ironed out. We're going to try to maybe get a few sweeteners because DoorDash blew that side of it where our promo code didn't work. But all that aside, it's still a great company. It's still a great idea. They support our show. We support them. Please use DoorDash and just get some food, man. Get it in your mouth and swallow it. That's what it's all about. And listen to the podcast. That's pretty much all you have to do in your life. Use DoorDash and listen to our show. It's not hard. I'm giving you the keys to success right now. So do that. Help us out. Go do pound for pound. Leave a rosy message for Tim. He likes looking at all the reviews It makes him happy. Brings some light into his otherwise dark, dark life. And um, yeah, listen to our show on Monday. We can talk about the cocky Nemi situation. Very exciting. Anything else, Tim, you want to touch on?
1: Yeah. Before we wrap, I just want to remind you that you can actually call into the show and leave a voicemail. Now we announced it the other day, we've had a few um, come in already that I've got a screen through. We'll probably start working it into the show uh, next week. We'll try to do that every episode. So I think it'll be a lot of fun. And here's how it works. You call 617-657-4723. Uh, you give your name quickly and then you just leave a voicemail after the beep, like you would like a regular phone call. Um, and we'll, you know, we're going to start incorporating this into the show. You could hear your voice, ask a question, pick a fight, whatever, make an argument, um, and we'll bring the best ones onto the show each week. So I think it'll be a lot of fun. That's 617-657-4723. You can also check it out on our social media channels. We talked about it there. And, uh, yeah, can you know, leave, leave
0: us a call. That was a very good way to leave a message because when you leave a message with somebody, my biggest pet peeve is – not my biggest pet peeve. One of them, they, they say their number once. You know what I mean? Say it twice so I got time to write it down. It just, it just makes sense. Say it once and say it at the end. Very good, Tim. So yeah, leave us a voicemail. It'll be, it'll be a nice little uh, segment we have. I enjoy answering questions from other people. So it'll be interesting to see. Except Tim, you can barely get it out legibly sometime. It's just, uh, you know what? We're going to move on. Next week's going to be better. It's going to be great. Right, Tim? That's right, John. All right, go take that dog for a walk. Everybody have a good weekend. Have a good Labor Day. Have a good uh, barbecue. Do whatever you need to do. Have a good holiday. We will talk to you guys on Monday. Thank you for the support. We'll see you around. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Dropping the Gloves with John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. Delivered by DoorDash.